playing that old school intro, man, taking it back to me and uh, Trent Smallwood hanging out in stupid little high schools all over the place. <laughs> it's been a minute since it's just been me and Trent here. And uh, for folks who are just tuning in, normally Blaine is your host, but Blaine has decided to step away from the recruiting world for a while. His family comes first, and we appreciate that about him. We love Blaine very much. We love his family, and we are very excited that he has the uh, uh, chance to spend more time with his sons. He's coaching now. Uh, my greatest memories, and I know I could probably say the same for Trent Smallwood there, there's nothing like coaching your kids. None like it. So uh, he's got that on his plate. Uh, Brent uh, uh, would say the exact same thing. Brent coaches his kids. He's coaches at the high school level and such. So. Uh, we wish Blaine the best of luck. Of course, you can catch him here with uh, Tavares King and Noshawn Moreno on Wednesdays when they talk about the all the schools in the SEC. So he's still with us. He's just not doing as much on recruiting because he's got family stuff. Anyway, so in the meantime, and we do have somebody lined up to take his spot at UJSports.com. We will be making those introductions very shortly. Uh, Jed's feeling a little bit under the weather. Jason was under the weather yesterday, and I know you're dodging it over at your house, Trent. The hell's going on? I don't know. I, the start of school is, is the only thing I can say. But uh, I mean, we've been in school, I guess, uh, six days, and my first grader brought home a stomach virus, and it's went through four, uh, all four of the others. And um, you know, I'm just bobbing and weaving, so um, <laughs> I'm well, holding I'm strong. Glad I'm glad you're staying safe. Hey, we well, we hope that a damn a damn beast media stays healthy. We hope Andy Stowe stays healthy. Uh, Roger Murray, I don't know. We, uh, we, no, we're just kidding, Roger. We hope you stay healthy as well. We appreciate you jumping in on the shows. And, of course, Timbo and uh, Antoine Weaver and uh, who else is there? John Schultz. What happened to Blaine? Just, we just introduced that. He's uh, taking a – he's stepping away from the recruiting world. So it's going to be just – me and Jed and Trent and uh, uh, Paul and Patrick and our new guy or new guys. You know, you have to wait and see. Anyway, uh, all the, the news of the day, let's jump right into it. Uh, Williams Nwanari picks Missouri. I think that came as a huge shock to the Oklahoma people. They lost their damn minds. Uh, the Missouri folks were crowing. You saw the reaction from Coach Drink. You know, he went nuts. Uh, and as well he should. It's a big get for them. They had a huge leg up in the whole NIL situation. But uh, let me get your thoughts on it. Uh, and, of course, if you have questions, put them in the comments there. But if you, if you have questions for uh, uh, Trent, ask him and let's, get, let's put him to work and uh, pick his brain. But give me your thoughts, Trent. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to Gabe um, back early August, and and we we both got the feeling that it was uh, Missouri's to lose. I, I think there was some, you know, uh, he, he took the late unofficial visit to Georgia, and uh, you know, we had been saying on the board that it was uh, Georgia Missouri. That was the two teams that was battling it out. I think Oklahoma was saying it was Oklahoma Missouri. Um, I, I think there was one constant in that being Missouri, but uh, Georgia. Uh, was definitely that number two team. Not that you get any points for for second place, but uh, I think there was um, uh, there's some you know family disagreements between what school to pick. And I think that the, the new law with with Missouri going in effect uh, ultimately was the you know the winning prize uh, ticket for Missouri to to choose over Georgia. But I think Georgia really had sold the dad and and, and uh, Williams on the um, you know that he would be. 
uh, if he came to Georgia, you know, he he was going to be developed and he was going to be, uh, you know, put into the uh, possibly put into the first round like a Trayvon Walker. And I think you have to look. It's not only that the fact that, yes, Williams Nwanri is a player that could go anywhere in the country and probably be a first round pick because he's that good. It's the fact that is he getting that development over three years? And I think he saw that at Georgia. And I think that's what made this decision so hard. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm being a Kirby Smart uh, cheerleader. I mean, he, it, it doesn't do me any good in my job to say nice things about Kirby. It doesn't hurt me to say bad things about him. I feel like I can be honest with our readers. And I can say objectively, when you can take guys and develop them and get that many, what is it, 28 over the last two years or something like that, into the NFL, and it's not just all the five-star studs that you put in there. You and I were in the rain watching Broderick Jones. You turned to me and said, that's a first-round left tackle. And you called it in his sophomore year. You nailed it. That That's a can't miss, okay? There are those. Then there's an Eric Stokes who gets an offer 30 seconds before signing day, you know, and you put him in the first round. Uh, you take guys who have been injured. Here's the thing. You take guys that are hurt, and I'm not saying that their career is over, but some guys aren't the same after that. But with the uh, – magician effects of Ron Corson and what Kirby Smart does with those guys, they make it back to the league. You know? Yeah. I mean, remember people saying that Nick Chubb wouldn't walk the same again. <laughs> it's like, now that, that knee, knee bit backwards, it's over. And you're able to take guys who, who get injured and get them there. You get guys to play at different positions in the NFL. We talked to Glenn Schumann last week and he said, look, you know, uh, I had, here's a guy that uh, played inside linebacker for me, did two years, you know, Natrez Patrick. Natrez Patrick, you know, working two years as outside linebacker because he knew what the hell to do. How many guys go in, they, they switch positions. Uh, okay. Georgia had a – was it a wide receiver that went and played cornerback for a while? Um, yes, name slipping my mind. But, yes, it happened. Uh, I mean, McCall Hardman was brought in as a cornerback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole thing. You know, so they're able to – the recruiting matters, but the development matters. And – whether it be K.J. Bolden or Williams Nwanery, they understand that, okay, I might make it to the first round. The difference between being picked at the top of the first round and the back of the fourth uh, first round is, what, about $7, 12000000 million? I mean, it's it's huge. Dropping in second, third, and fourth, yeah, you're drafted, but it's still not as high. And also, you want to, you know, you want to fight up that chart, and you want to know what you're doing. It doesn't take you a year to learn the system. Uh, you want to have that huge impact. Jalen Carter's first play. Poor Ben. Hey, can we have a moment of silence for Ben Cleveland? <laughs> <laughs> Just he gets absolutely destroyed. But my, my point is, uh, people are seeing that, and we saw that with the KJ Bolden situation. I was told, and you're much closer to this, that his dad wanted him to come to Georgia to be developed. You have Kirby Smart, who's a secondary coach, Fran Brown, who's a secondary coach, and Will Muschamp, who's a hell of a secondary coach. Will Muschamp's got a lot of guys in the NFL. Uh, they, they put them in there constantly. You've got a large part of your staff is, you know, secondary coaches. And then when you look at um, the success Georgia's had on the defensive line, before Kirby Smart gets here, they couldn't find an offensive, I mean, defensive lineman that had been drafted. You have to go back to, like, David Pollock. Now, all of a sudden, he's got first-round picks everywhere. I'm told that Williams Nwanari's dad wanted him to come here. Am I wrong on this? But, I mean, that, that development thing's played out. That, that, that's that's definitely correct, and uh, I, you know it, when Georgia when Georgia preaches that long term, uh, it, it's not just 
going in the first round or being a top five pick. It's getting that first big contract. And if you get yeah. developed over three years, you're ready. Uh, you're ready uh, right off the bat, like J- like a Jalen Carter. He, you know, he's drafted in the top ten picks, and you know, looking at looking at him in the first game, he's ready to go. And um, you know, if you get that first, if you go in the first round, it's great. You know, you, you're getting that you getting that big money. But it's all about that first big contract, making it to that big contract. And I think that's where the development comes in at Georgia is is getting you to that first contract past. Uh, you know, it, it, even if it's past the first round, uh, a guy like Kenny McIntosh is going what seventh round, but I think he's going. He's he's already uh, flourishing out there. Uh, you know, in in preseason, so um, it's all about that first big contract and, and getting to that point and, and development is a big key over, you know, a three or four year span of getting there. Well, also, I mean, and this is not a shot against the Missouri program, even though I, I apparently there's an entire thread of the Missouri board about how I teased uh, uh, Gabe over there calling saying that Gabe's a decent reporter, even though he went to a second rate school. Uh, there's a huge, there's the huge back and forth between the Missouri journalism school, one of the best institutions in the nation. And of course the best institution in the nation when it comes to journalism schools, University of Georgia. And so I take a shot at Gabe because he takes a shot at me and apparently that pissed off the Missouri folks. I don't care. <laughs> that's, college, that's a college rivalry. But uh, Gabe was on this thing from start to finish, but uh, I, I don't wanna get into that. Uh, I thought it was very interesting that they reported that the winery second choice was Georgia. Yeah. And I think that all came down. I mean, look, Georgia, Georgia got the official visit, uh, made a lot of noise uh, with him and uh, his family on that trip. That was at the beginning of June. He, he had the opportunity to go to Oklahoma after that. Uh, he went to Missouri. Uh, and if you remember, he cut that Missouri, uh, trip short a little bit to come back on an unofficial visit uh, right before July for um, to, to see Georgia. Uh, yeah. I know he has family in Atlanta, came down here to see family and uh, made the drive up to uh, Athens to, to take another unofficial visit. That uh, told you right there that he's serious about Georgia. I mean, he, yeah. he, he liked enough. What he hard yeah. traveling. Yeah. He liked enough what he saw on the first visit to get up here for a second time before uh, you know, making an announcement. Then, then came, uh, uh, you know, the end of July where he is, he was grounded, uh, so-called grounded. I don't know <laughs> what, he, what he did to get grounded, but it might've been just them not wanting to take a trip to, uh, Oklahoma or his mom not wanting to take a trip to Oklahoma that last time. So, um, can you imagine grounding that kid looking up at his, go to your room. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I do think, uh, you know, sources told us that, that, Georgia was Georgia was the team right there with Missouri, and uh, you know, with him with him saying that today, that you know, proved those sources true. Not not any points for second place, like I said, but Georgia was right there, and I, I expect Georgia to continue recruiting him. But with this with this new NIL thing going into effect, and and him being able to collect money, I think starting September first, it, it, it puts a little wrench in things. Uh, the reason I was kind of bring up there is uh, the whole thing about the development and. Uh, him, Georgia being second, it does tie into some of the questions we've seen in the chat there about uh, NIL. Uh, people want to know how much is NIL, how much was KJ Bowles NIL, how much is the other? We don't always know, and it's something that we explained in great detail during the KJ Bolden situation. Georgia has a a pretty hard limit on how much that they will, and it's, they, again, they can't authorize it, but they can tell the Classic City Collective to say, look. If you get a kid, he's coming here and uh, 
you, you got somebody that wants to spend four hundred thousand dollars on NIL to have one of the Georgia players as the uh, face of their business. Let's say let's say Coca Cola says, "Well, we want a Georgia player," and they go to Classic City Collective. Who do you got? Uh, maybe what about one of these freshmen coming in? You know, one of these uh, high school kids. We'll get them. That way, we have them for the whole four years as they grow. The Classic City Collective and folks, yeah, we could do that. But you know what's better is there's this guy who's a starting center for the last two years named Cedric Van Pran. He's probably going to go to the NFL. If he gets drafted, he'll make like $825,000. But if you guys pay him $400,000, then that's half of it. And maybe he sticks around another year and gives Kirby a, you know, a third-year starter. Uh, there's another guy that wants, wants to transfer in. He's the number one wide receiver at the University of Missouri. He's the number one wide receiver at Mississippi State. These are guys who proved what they can do in the, in, in the uh, SEC. They're not a high school kid who may or may not blow up, you know, who may, may, not, may not do well is my, my thing there. So uh, the, the so what Georgia does to offset the fact that they're not going to go toe-to-toe with everybody in high school kids that are offering $300,000, dollars Georgia's using its money to for, you know, saying, look, funnel more of that towards the guys who NIL wasn't an option when they were coming in. And you don't want to have a kid coming in who's uh, like a there's a running back last year that was offered three hundred thousand uh, dollars. He took it and there's nothing wrong with that. But if he that would be more money than Kendall Milton was probably making or Dejon Edwards or anybody like that. So uh, Georgia's like, we're not going to do that. But we have that development thing. And the development uh, pitch, as Trent telling them, it it works. You still have this ridiculously strong class because K.J. Bolden really wanted to come to Georgia to be developed. Uh, Williams Duanery wants to come to Georgia to be developed. They've got better deals and earlier deals elsewhere, but Georgia's paying half of what these other schools are, and they're still coming. And and you did sign 20, what, 27, 28? Yeah, 27. 27. We got 27 on our list here of uh, commits there. So I think Georgia coming in second on both of these. And you did did mention (laughs) there's no points for second. In the transfer portal era, maybe there is. Oh, 26. Sorry. 26 with Peyton Woodry. But but, but yeah, I think all this NIL deal is doing is splitting up – the five stars. Uh, it's basically make it's, it's even and out a lot of stuff because I mean yeah. you're sitting here with Georgia and Ohio State with three, you have uh, Alabama with two, and then a lot of teams with one. And I think all it is 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 spreading out the the five star talent. But you're really going to win games and what you're doing between thirty three and hundred. How many guys are you bringing in in the rivals one hundred or the you know, the top 150 kids. Not to say Georgia's developed their fair share of three stars that, that you know, we're talking about Eric Stokes and them. But uh, I think you're going to you're gonna win a lot of battles of what you're doing, you know, with those higher-rated four stars, uh, such as, uh, you know, Brock Brock Bowers and and uh, Andrew good. Thomas and, and, and those guys of winning winning those battles and, and you know, developing those guys and because – a lot of those guys' ceiling was a lot higher than some of them in the five stars. Yeah, and again, I, when this first came out, and I saw it a couple years ago, or predicted a couple years ago, but we saw it perfectly last year when we said um, a team could put together its uh, money in a bundle 
the less successful teams and go after one top player. And we saw Missouri, speaking of, do that with Luther Burton. They had a ridiculous package out there. He got a lot of money, went to uh, Missouri, caused a locker room issue, maybe. We don't know the details there, but why did Dominic Lovett, their most successful wide receiver, who did not have the giant uh, NIL deal, decide to transfer? Yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, you, you see it happen year in and year out. I mean, Texas A&M is the prime example of. Well, that's what I said two years ago, that $30 million class. Two years ago. And and how many of that $30 million class is still there? I know I know they've had several transfer out. I mean, including Smoke Bowie, who's no longer with Georgia. But uh, they've had a bunch of, of those guys transfer out. And and what is Texas A&M? They've closed their NIL collective. I mean, yeah. um, so it, it is. There's good and bad, but Georgia, I think Georgia's approaching this the right way. Um, you never want to get into a bidding war uh, for guys that are going to come in and possibly be a locker room cancer. And and I'm sorry, money money brings issues. Uh, money's going to bring problems. And when you have a freshman making more more money than Cedric Van Pran and, and Brock Bowers, that's just you know. And I, I'm sure Brock Bowers would be like, okay, I don't care. But that that just is a uh, disaster waiting to happen in the locker room. Well, let's let's put a hypothetical together. You have Brock Bowers in there, and you know what he's making. He, he's not. I don't think he's working with the collective. I think he has his own deal, which is great. Uh, he absolutely deserves it. But let's say that you are a new tight end, Pierce Spurlin, Lawson Lucky. You come to Georgia, and when Brock Bowers signed a couple of years ago, he had you know a fifty thousand dollar deal from uh, uh, Athens Ford one of our uh, show sponsors. Uh, and then let's say uh, Brock, uh, Lawson Lucky shows up and he has a $300,000 deal from Kia of Athens. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, and it's not to say that Brock would resent it, but if I'm one of these younger guys, I'm like, man, I got paid. I can get paid six times what you are, old man. Why the hell do I have to listen to you? Why do I got to carry your gear? Why, why haze me? Hell, that's not going to happen. You know, uh, why don't you're telling me how to do stuff in the weight room? I'm not going to listen to you. I, I'm paid more than you. And I know it's a measuring contest, but sometimes that's how we compare ourselves to each other. How much, whenever you see a criticism, what's often brought up is how much somebody makes, you know, especially amongst guys and men and players. So the NFL has been dealing with this for years when you have got superstars are paid a ton. If they're not producing and the other guys are resentful, hell, when you got guys being paid more than the coaches, we're like, Coach, you know, why should I listen to you? I make double what you make. Why the hell should I pay attention to you, Coach? And also you feel the need to play them. I think that's what yeah. you're, you're getting. Uh, I mean, the, the coaching staff's going to get some backlash if they're not playing this guy that they're spending all this money on. Um, yeah. You know, I looked at K.J. Bolden, and I'm like, Malachi Starks is going to be a junior. If they bring in K.J. Bolden, he's making so-and-so, and he's making more than Malachi Starks, who's – probably a future first round draft pick. Yeah. What is that? What, what, what are we, what are we saying? Like, what, what are we doing to the team? So and you tell, uh, as a coach, you're telling the, the older player who's been successful. I don't value you as much. Yep. You know, I didn't, I didn't put that into you. I value this kid more. And if I'm the guy that's putting up the $400,000 or the $300,000, I'm going to, and th this is where they're going to run into a problem. You put up the money for your, through your company, you want them to be the head of your, I mean, the face of your law firm or your product or your service or whatever. You want that kid out there, you know, starting. So you're calling Georgia going, hey, I put up $300,000 for this running back. Why is he not? He got two touches last week. That's BS. You want my help in the future? 
you better play the guy I've already paid for, you know, and it's just, it, it's almost like you coached, I've coached the chirping from the stands, you know, don't pull my boy. You know, it's like, well, your boy's getting his butt kicked. Yeah. You know, I don't care how much you invest. I don't care that you have a sign on the uh, scoreboard out there saying you support us. I don't care that you're doing the uh, percentage night. I'm going to play the best players and it, it, it can create a bigger problem. That's why I think Georgia has been very successful doing the way they do. And, and that's one thing that Kirby's always uh, stood by. He's going to play the best. You know, he he, he constantly preaches, I'm going to play the best 11. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to move guys around. That's the reason why they uh, cross-train guys, because they're going to get the best 11 on the field. And if if you have, uh, you know, salary issues behind the scenes, um, it just causes a whole nother issue. And I think that's something that he's trying to avoid. The outside noise uh, the locker room noise. He's trying to avoid the, the you know, the team issues. And I think that's one reason that the team stayed so close. You, you see them every year. You see this, this team every year, they come together. It's like brothers on the field. And, um, you know, a big reason why is because they, they, you know, they stay locked in. They have a coaching staff that cares about them. They have a coaching staff that leads well, and they have players that are, um, um, you know, continuously talked about being leaders and leaders since they're a freshman. And by the time they're juniors, it just all seems to gel together. So, yeah, um, they're not all uh, angels. They're not all choir boys. As we've seen in the off season, they have their issues, but Kirby talks about the intangibles a lot. And as a journalist, I'm sure I do it as a uh, people who are watching the show. I'm sure you do it. Uh, fans in general, when he starts talking about, we need leaders to step up. You're like, man, here's another five-minute screed from Kirby Smart that's not telling me about this injury or, you know, who's playing this position or who's winning this position battle. I want hard data, Kirby. I don't want to hear about, you know, we need leadership or accountability. It sounds like a, a Tony Robbins infomercial, you know, a, a rah-rah speech. Yeah, I'm a moron because I started tuning that out, but when they started winning – the culture that Kirby created was that accountability. And he, just as much as he looks for a hardcore alpha dog quarterback or an alpha dog inside linebacker who can get everybody in position, who can recognize stuff on the field, who can make your Chris Smith pick up the block kick and take it back, you know, make a smart decision, you know, something like that, not make a, 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 a tank at Auburn bad decision. You know, you make a, a smart decision, uh, and I'm just ripping on Tank. He's a, he's a great guy. Uh, point being that he looks for those intangibles. It is that leadership. It is that community. And he appoints, you know, this leadership group, you know, and says, look, you got to do it. And when you interview the players and they start talking about, well, well, I mean, you saw Quay Walker and the uh, Kobe Dean. How'd that work out for you? Yeah. I'm just saying it's. I think this goes all the way back to Nick Chubb and, and Sonny Michelle and, and Bellamy and, and Lorenzo Carter and those guys, when they decided to stay for their senior year, that's where, uh, you know, the, the, the leadership and the, and the everything was where players started buying in. I think that was the year coming off of the, I think the, the year they went seven and six and then they go to the, the national championship the year after. I think that is when the, uh, when players started buying in, when Kirby started getting them to buy in, and, and, and ever since then, it's just been uh, hell on wheels. No, you're, you're absolutely right. He, the proof's in the pudding. He's shown it. And also, what does Georgia do with their uh, with their resources? They invest heavily in those upperclassmen, trying to get them to stay. Now, Kirby kicked Roquan out. 
It's like, look, Rogan, Rogan wanted to stay. Kirby's like, hell no, get out of here. Go to the NFL. <laughs> You're a top 10 pick, man. Uh, it's okay. You going there will also help us. You know, Andrew Thomas almost came back too, and he was a – I forgot about that. You're right. You know, but there's other guys that decided to come back who could have gone. I think Jamari Sawyer could have left early, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He yeah. could have. Uh, and how, how badly did you need him? You know, but Kirby's not going to be upset if a Broderick Jones leaves or a Marius Mims leaves or something like that. But some guys who can come back who are willing to, who might need another year of seasoning. Um, you know, Robert Beal coming back, how much that saved him. Um, there's other guys like that, that up and down the list. Uh, well, when, when when Cedric Van Prand announced that he was going to come back, I yeah. said the quarterback room is going to be fine because when you have a guy under center that has as much uh and not only has he played for four years but he but he's a leader on the field he gets everybody in the right stuff he's gonna he's going to be the quarterback's best friend and no matter who's taking the snaps whether it be Beck, Vandegrift, Stockton, whoever's taking the snaps, they're gonna be fine. Um because because he's right there at center. Absolutely. I, I you know I'm normally very Munsonish in my outlook. I figure if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong for Georgia football. It's just this is year 30 of covering them. Yes, they won the last two, but both of those were by the skin of your teeth. They would talk about 15 to no, but you needed a field goal, a missed field goal to make it. You almost lost to Missouri. Uh, the first three and what, three and a half quarters in that uh, title game against Alabama, you looked like you had no idea what the hell was going on. So I know how hard it is to win one. And for me to go out and say, hey, I think Georgia's going to win another one. It took a lot. To your point, the main reason I thought that was I don't see a weakness in Georgia's defense, and I don't see a um, I see those big uh, chilardos as Coach Donna calls them up front, and whoever's under center. The, the, the weakness on this team is the uh, is the quarterback. Just from an inexperienced standpoint, we don't know when any of them will do in a high pressure situation like we've seen at uh, Kentucky last year when it was freezing, or Missouri, you know, or in the uh, Ohio State game where it's going back and forth. You're down double digits a couple times. Uh, but when whoever goes up to the line of scrimmage has Xavier Truss with all his snaps, you know, Cedric Van Pran in front of him, Tate Rattledge beside him, you know, oh, it doesn't matter that I got a brand new starting left tackle. It's okay. My, my core guys are here and I got talented running backs behind me and, you know, deep things I can throw. Anyway, I'm, we're getting kind of far afield about the whole um, running backs and uh, I mean the experience and development versus recruiting and I want to stick on recruiting. So uh, let's I want to hit up uh, with Georgia missing out on Williams Nawari for now. You never know what's going to happen. Where do they where do they turn their eyes? Well I think uh I think Georgia's pretty good at that the you know that they, they got already have you know he was gonna play five tech. They already have Justin Young in this class. They have Joseph Jonas and Johnny, who are probably growing to a, a three tech. But I look at LJ McCray, who, who Georgia had on campus um, the last week of July. Uh, a lot of growing momentum uh, behind the scenes since that visit. I think he will. Um, he, he's not scheduled to announce till. I don't think he has a scheduled announcement date. But yeah. I, I look at I look at him as being the the guy that. That, that Georgia is is locked in on now. Um, I, I, Georgia will continue to talk to Williams Nwanery, but like I said, I think that's that's in the the past. I think L.J. McRae is is the guy that Georgia is going to go to next. 
uh, you know, and, and also Steve, I don't want to pronounce his last name because I don't want to. <laughs> it's on the screen. If you need to see it, folks, if, <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast uh, on your on your ride or something, it's M-B-O-U-M-O-U-A. Yeah, this this is a guy that just reclassified to the 2024 class from 25, and uh, he is a he's already earned a Georgia offer. Um, you know, there's going to be several schools in it, but Georgia's going to be right there uh, as well. I think Georgia would take both of them, but I think Georgia will only. I don't think Georgia will get both of them necessarily. But both of them kind of fit that five tech mold where Georgia's you know been low in depth the past couple of years, and um, you know it having I think they had Malik here in there a couple of years ago and um you know the, a true freshman showed out there that this past year and then you had Justin Young as well so um I think those two guys is where Georgia will turn their focus you know there's not many spots left in this class I think I think they will try to uh get a safety in this class they'll continue to recruit KJ Bolden as well um, but I would look at uh wide receiver and and I think offense line's done I think tight end room's done uh, running back, of course, is done. They ain't taking more than three. Um, but but you're looking at more on the defensive side of the ball at maybe a defensive lineman and uh, at the five take position and and uh, another linebacker. What you got up there, right there, is Chris Cole. Um, he's right. scheduled scheduled to announce his decision on September 10th. He visited Tennessee the last week of July, but uh, Georgia um, is in a strong position to land him right now. Um, you know, in, in mid August, we'll see if he gets on any campuses before. He makes that announcement on September 10th, but with high school starting, it's going to be tough for to make any visits. Uh, I noticed you put in a future cast for him. I did. I did. I, I think Georgia sits in a strong position, and, and and it's wild. A year after landing the trio they did last year, if they land this trio of uh, you know inside linebackers um, with uh, with um, Justin Williams and and Christopher Jones, and then if they land Chris Cole as well, I mean. That that would be um, an insane pull for Glenn Schumann two years straight with those six guys. But I think Justin Williams and uh, Chris Cole are, are guys that you can use in various ways. Um, Chris Cole is a guy that's a six four two twenty. At this time last year, I think he was six two one ninety five. Um, he, he's really developed into his own body over the the past year. He's a guy that you could. Maybe even play at star. I don't. I wouldn't trust playing him deep safety, but he's yeah. athletic enough to to move out to star. And um, it kind of reminds me of a little bit smaller type of uh, Adam Anderson when he came in. How they used Adam Anderson in various ways. They moved him out to star a couple of times when they were playing more run heavy teams, which you don't see that as much now. But um, you, you could use Chris Cole in, in, in numerous ways. I think the same thing with Justin Williams. He's just he's he's an athlete that could see some early um, like third down packages and stuff. So, just two good athletes. It's going to be hard to keep off the field. But then again, the three, the trio you brought in last year, are in the same boat, and you have two junior linebackers who um, are two of the best that you've had since uh, Kirby and Schumann have been here, and, and that's saying a lot. So, yeah, I mean, you had three guys drafted. You bring in those two, uh, bring in Smile Mondan and uh, uh, Dumas Johnson, they just pick right up without any sort of experience whatsoever. You're like, what the hell, man? So Glenn, Glenn Schumann is a wizard. Yeah, we got the commitment list on the screen there. You see Justin Williams, who is re, uh, uh, still a five-star, uh, number 12 player in the nation, I believe. Uh, the new rankings came out today. And Christopher Jones, who's also from uh, Virginia, which I think is interesting that 
Georgia could go after get uh, Chris Cole also out of Virginia. Can you imagine a uh, a pair of Virginia inside linebackers? They'll need to come up with some nickname like Gershaw or something. I think he's number twelve, and number thirteen is a new five star uh, oh, yeah. cornerback. Number one cornerback in the country, if I'm not mistaken. He, I'm telling you, I really think at number thirteen that he's still um, under. I think he's underranked. I think he is a wait, top you, five. dude. Thirteen in the nation, yeah. and you're saying that Ellis Robinson is underranked? I said, I said, way back when when he committed to Georgia that he's the best cornerback that Kirby Smart has committed. He he ain't signed yet, but he is the best quarterback a uh, cornerback that was, uh, that Kirby Smart has committed since he has been on been at been in Athens. Wow. He has wow. the most potential to play day one out of all. And and he's had guys that have played day one. But um Ellis Robinson could come in, play day day one if Kamari Lasseter, you know, likes to to leave after this year. That's pretty damn impressive. Uh the only guy we didn't really mention on that whole thing was um as a possible next guy was uh Aiden Breland. What are you yep. telling me about him? Aiden Bruin, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a teammate of new Georgia running back commit. Um, uh, Nate Frazier, he the, the, from uh, Mater Day High School out in California, he is, uh, took a visit to Georgia back in June, I believe it was, and, and you know, Georgia kind of set the bar high as far as his um, visits came. I think they're battling battle in Oregon in here. I know Miami and Texas A&M are two other schools. He didn't make his uh, – he was going to visit in July also to uh, Oregon and Texas A&M, but he didn't make that visit because of um, – they had – I think it's called Hell Week uh, at Mater Day High School. So um, he, he was doing high school stuff, but I think Georgia sits in a good position right now. I, I, I would put them as the favorite at the Oregon right behind them. Um, to land him, I, I, I see him as a three tech guy. Um, you know that they have a couple of those, but guys, but you're going to have to restock that defense line after this year because you got a lot of senior leadership on that on that defense line with with Brentson and and uh, Stackhouse and all those guys. So you're going to have to restock that room, and I think uh, Aiden Breland would fit right in as a three tech guy that could shift inside uh, or you know to kind of shift in, in on those nickel nickel downs, kind of shift more. Inside, so I think he is. He, I think Georgia's is an excellent position for him, and uh, I'm looking at to see if he gets back on campus. Nate Frazier has an official visit scheduled for the South Carolina game. See if Aiden Breland uh, tags along on that official visit as a for an unofficial visit. That's their week off. And I uh, the um, the guys who signed two years ago, the guys who signed last year. The seniors and juniors and sometimes the sophomores talk to each other out on the recruiting trail. You know, we bring them to rivals camps. They go to uh, Under Armour camps. They go to League 11, wherever it is, some of the top camps in the nation. They, uh, they go to these camps and the, some, some guy, like, hey, I'm going to go visit Georgia. You're going to love Georgia. They talk about Georgia's visits and how well choreographed they are. So when I, part of it is the sales pitch, part of it is the experience. And you'll see a lot of kids take visits because they know it's going to be a good time. So that's a good point there on Aiden Breland. All right, uh, let's get to some of our questions from UJ Sports, the uh, readers at UJSports.com. I wanted to uh, start with them. We have, we do have comments, uh, questions in the uh, comment section there. Go ahead and drop your uh, question now. We will try to get to it as soon as we can. But we have to take care of our 
subscribers first. So we are going to uh, start with uh, our buddy Whiskey and Weed. Yeah, our guy, Big Man Whiskey and Weed, a uh, longtime poster at UGASports.com. We appreciate Whiskey and Weed being there. It says, how many of UGA's current commits were players who frequently visited UGA during their freshman and sophomore years? Seems like UGA is having a lot more success landing up players who haven't visited UGA multiple times before their senior years. And I get that because we talked about some guys like KJ Bolt who had visited, what, 16 years? I mean, 16 times. You know, guys who've been, ah, I've been going to Georgia since eighth grade. And then all of a sudden they go to somewhere else. I mean, there is a lot of guys. I mean, just Justin Green is a guy that had, had visited before. Um, I think Quintavious Johnson's another guy, but there's a lot of guys on this commit list that had not visited Georgia until maybe last fall. Uh, yeah. guys, guys like, uh, you know, Georgia didn't get involved with, with Justin Williams and uh, Joseph Jonah Johnny until the, you know, March, I believe it was, or somewhere around there. And, and then both of those are guys, one's a five-star, one's a borderline five-star, and you're landing those guys after – four months of, uh, of relationship. So, uh, th there's a lot of guys in the city. I mean, Nycar has been to Georgia a ton. Kobe White's been to Georgia a ton, but there is a, a lot of guys in this list who, uh, have not, uh, Marcus yeah, let's, well, let's answer this way. Uh, Michael Uni out of, uh, Copper, Cove, Texas. How many times did he visit Georgia? I mean, the, just not that – you're not going to see him all the time. Jordan Thomas, like you said, coming down from Ramsey, New Jersey. Don't see that happening very often. Justin Green coming up from Lawrenceville, of course. But uh, 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 Jaden Riddle from uh, Missouri, I don't see it. Marcus Harrison coming down from Athol Springs, New York, I don't see it. Uh, Drew Miller, kicker coming from <laughs> Mediopolis, uh, uh, Iowa. <laughs> I doubt it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 Nitro Tuggle. How, how many flights did he have from Indiana? So not many. Again, I'm not ripping on the kid. You know, Ryan Puglisi came down quite a bit, but again, that was he didn't take 16 visits or something like that. So I think his I, visit just started last summer. Um, yeah, Georgia so. when he worked out in front of the staff. So yeah, it's it's there's a lot of guys on that list who who Georgia has does not have the four year relationship with or the five year relationship with. It's more a year or six months. Yeah. So I uh, hope that answers your question, Whiskey and Weed. Do. We always appreciate your comments on the vault. Good person there. Uh, Big Fatty 94 asks, how much of the already committed, how much of the already committed part of this 24 class do you see sticking through signing day? In other words, how many flips away from Georgia do you see out of these guys? I, I haven't heard of any in any others you know there's going to be one or two because there's always one or two um yeah. you know towards the when it gets closer to december whether it's uh you know trying to get guys in uh early and not have enough spots or, or whatever it might be there's going to be a couple um but i have not heard any specific names as far as um like like we were hearing uh recently with uh a certain five-star safety that we won't get into but um uh, it, we <laughs> we, we we did hear a lot of uh behind the uh the scenes noise around oh. that and we yeah. haven't heard that as much so you know i, I can see one or two but I, I don't have any name specific that we're talking about here in august and just from and i i don't have any intel on this either if we knew of a guy that was kind of waffling we tell you um the only thing that i look at this list and i think here's might be here might be an area 
Uh, in fact, you have six offensive linemen committed. Not saying any of them will decommit, but that that's a lot. Yep. That's a lot. That, that's too easy for a guy to get picked off, picked away, or or Georgia to process. And I'm not, I'm, I won't stand here and lie to everybody. Like, oh, no, Georgia never, you know, tells a guy uh, you, you can't come. Well, they don't, but they'll tell a guy, hey, we watched your senior tape and we've seen how, you know, we expect you to grow a little bit more. We expect you to get a little bit better or something. You can come here and we'll honor your scholarship, but you're not going to get any playing time. And then all of a sudden you see a kid after much thought and debate, you know, I have reopened my commitment. Thank you to the University of Georgia. And the headlines are so-and-so decommits from Georgia. So-and-so flips away to Wake Forest. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, Not and, wrapping on Wake. Don't send me hate mail, Wake fans. Just saying. And here's the thing. Kirby does not – you know, he's got six office linemen. You think he's done recruiting off at Slime in this class? There's still relationships. That was the other part. Of he, he's still talking to, to, to guys like Brandon Baker and, and and those guys. So I think a lot depends on who does he land late. What what um, how many spots does he have available when that when if he does flip somebody or if he does land somebody late and and you know that could be somebody ciphering out of the class or telling them exactly what you just said. Um, you can come here, but you're not going to. Uh, you're not gonna play much, and and there's been several guys over the past three years that haven't even been on scholarship, and they've come, and we haven't uh, necessarily said those names, but um, I mean, there's been several that are that that have come in that, that have gotten that speech that have elected to come in, and and we're more of I don't even know what shirt you call it these days, blue shirt, green shirt, something, but uh, the, the gray shirt, the gray shirt, yeah, the gray shirt has come in, pay your, do it in your own dime. If we get a scholarship open next year, we'll put you on. Yep. You don't get any back pay for it, you know, but it's uh, that, that that does happen. So. But some of these guys are okay with that. Like guys like Dan Jackson, he's he's working. I mean, he's hasn't been on scholarship, but he's got the NIL uh, deal, and I guarantee he's not paying for any classes that he's going to. So <laughs> now, and uh, you have with especially with uh, uh, Pell grants and Hope scholarships, you know, it's not it's not that tough. I actually. Posted a theory a long time ago um, uh, that you could uh, with a with a superstar. You got a guy that's going to come in. He, all of a sudden, he gets a huge NIL deal from say Home Depot. It's like, look, man, uh, five hundred thousand of that is for you to do ads at Home Depot. The other the other hundred thousand is to be uh, pay for all your schooling. You got to pay your own way, pay your own books, pay your own dorm fees, all that stuff. You get to come in as a preferred walk on. And be like, you know, I mean, and here's the thing: Georgia puts out that list of 27 signees, but not every one of those kids has a scholarship. There's a couple gray shirts on there. They they just call them signees. They don't say these are players with scholarship offers from the University of Georgia. And you and I can name four or five over the last few years that uh, everyone thought was on scholarship but was not. But you could have a five-star guy come in and go, okay, well, I've got. You're going to pay me a little extra so that I don't take up a scholarship spot because you've got all this NIL money. Great. Now all of a sudden you go from 85 to 105. Yep. So, just, just a thought. <laughs> I'm not sure it's going to happen, but. So you're I saying Dylan Raul is coming in on a preferred walk-on. <laughs> you would you'd never have to say it. I mean, you have to declare it to the NCAA. Yeah. You know, but they still get to report when everybody else reports. They get to go through all the same stuff. It's only the non-preferred walk-ons who can't join the team until the first day of school. Right. So. 
So just my thoughts. All right, uh, let's go with Medical Dog. He says two questions. If you ran a team, would you handle the name, image, and likeness more like uh, Missouri and FSU are doing or Georgia? We'll start there. I think it, I mean, if you're talking to me personally, I think it would be hard to not get into, like, you see you see a guy like KJ Bowl and you're like, he's in my backyard, he's a stud, yeah. throw, him the, throw him the money. But I, I, but also, I think what works better is seeing what Kirby and his staff are doing um, because obviously, look what they've done the past couple of years. I think that's what works better. But if you're asking me how I would handle it, I would be throwing money at players. <laughs> I, I'm with. I'd be doing the same thing. And the, I, I don't. I, I don't know if you put all your eggs in one basket if that's going to work for you. But I want to know how many eggs I can buy yep. because I think the Missouri's also going to get Ryan Wingo for the same thing. Yep. So all of a sudden they get uh, Ryan Wingo a five star wideout. They get. Uh, uh, Williams Wannery, five-star number three player in the nation. Do they have any money left over? If you, if you can, if you can pull off a Texas A&M style class, hell yeah, I would do it that way. <laughs> Just tell, tell them, get along, you know, a bird in the hand, a five-star in the hand versus uh, Hey, uh, we're going to sell you, you struggling and getting your butt kicked in practice is going to make you better in the long run, man. That is a hard sell. It's a whole lot easier to go. We got this giant check. We got one of those big ass novelty uh, checks, you know, like for publishers clearing or, you know, you won the lottery. Here, here, mom and dad, here's this big fake ass check that you can take to the bank right now. That, that's the way I would do it. And I have figured out if I'm a if I'm a coach, I ain't recruiting the player. I'm recruiting the mama. The last two that would that would have done it. And hey, they try to. They absolutely try to. Uh, medical dog. Second question was, do you think uh, the small money now, big money later approach will continue to work for Georgia? I mean, I, I think it is. I mean, I, I don't, until it's not Kirby's not going to change. I think the day that he sees his class suffering or he, he, him not getting his necessarily needs in the class. Um, I think that's when you might see a shift, but as long as it's working, and he's bringing in players that he thinks he can win championships with, I don't think you'll be able to see a change. He's not going to change it until he can. And it should not be long until he can. I.e., when that, that first year of NIL, you had three classes, guys, who had, that was not an option for them coming in. Each year, those guys are graduating, being drafted, moving on. So that that first year of NIL guys, I guess what they'll be juniors this year. Mm -hmm. um, the next year they're seniors, and you and as more and more people go to Classic City Collective and join the Twenty One Club or join the, you start to get some little corporate money there. Um, then things uh, pick up. Hey, I'm gonna bring on our man uh, Brent Rollins here. I did not realize he was waiting on waiting in the waiting room there for us. It's a, it's a rumors versus facts first for me. There you go. We love it. <laughs> so I actually, I saw this question and I was very curious. So what I did was I actually looked at data for it. Oh, don't bring your damn facts into this, man. Well, this, that's the show, right? Rumors versus facts. Yeah. Of course, but, Dr. Rollins would be looking at that. <laughs> well, but so here's, here's the data. So 21, I think was, was 21 the last class that didn't have NIL? Correct, and the twenty-two was the first. Am, am I correct in that? I think I think that's right. Uh, yes, it was the COVID year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in twenty-one, five just five stars. 
31 prospects and rivals, five stars, 16 different teams. In 22, 33 prospects that were five stars, 17 different teams. So about the same in terms of percentage-wise. Last year, 23, that ticks up even like another 5%. 32 prospects, 18 different teams. And currently, if you look at the five stars on rivals that are committed, there's 16 committed prospects, 12 different teams. Three quarters of those committed prospects spread across all these things. And if you look at a lot of the future casts, you're going to get at least another four or five teams that get at least one five-star. So you're likely going to have in the neighborhood of two-thirds of the five-star prospects sort of at, in different teams, not conglomerated within one group. So I think what Trent was saying about Kirby not changing until he has to, as long as he can get the depth of talent that he wants and or you hit at QB, he's not going to, he's not going to have to change. Yeah. Again, the, the, what I was kind of saying about Missouri, they went all in to get Luther Burden. They get him. They worked that, you know, that works. So now they're doing it. They're getting two. Um, I, and the, you know, I don't know how much money Missouri has or how much their fans want it, but I just can't, we, we've seen these bidding wars go up and up and up. And once you win one of them, you know, you've kind of put all your eggs in one basket. So I think when we look at the list right there, we have on the screen how many three stars Georgia has, how many they have, uh, how many Ohio State has, how many Florida, Notre Dame. Okay, they're tied with Ohio State. They've got two more than Florida. Notre Dame doesn't have any. A lot of teams with one. But that second column, 18 four stars. Okay, uh, Ohio State's got 14. They're close. You're still four ahead of them. And you were five ahead of Florida, Notre Dame, uh, uh, LSU. Hey, where's Alabama on this list? 11th or 12th, I think. Yeah, down there. 13th. What's going on with Alabama? Wait a minute. They only have nine? Six three stars. Wait, you got nine four stars at Alabama? So Georgia has double the number of four stars. But to, to your point, if you put on, and here's the thing, you can see folks saying, hey, we got to get, get got to get the five stars. I'll take those highly rated four stars because folks, there's the way the, the five stars thing works. That's the guy we think will go in the first round. If you're a high four star, we think you're going in the second round. There's not, there's a ton of difference in the money, but we're still talking the top 50 players in the nation. So top 64 players in the nation. It's not gigantic differences. So if you can get the high four stars, you're doing really well. Well, it's the, it's the other teams that are jumping into this pool now yeah. for the one or two guys right. that they have the potential to get that is maybe from their area, like you had with today, uh, and then recent, whenever the Wingo kid comes up. But you know, that's where you're going to see some of the spread. I think within is within the five star realm because the Missouri's of the world, other sort of ans, you know, fringe teams. Even somebody like South Carolina, who, who already has a five-star commit this year, got one last year, like where they go kind of all in for that one big fish in a way versus where Georgia is building just depth upon depth upon depth of, like you said, the four-star, the guys that are in that 50 to 150 range and guys that they look at that might be 250 or slightly out of the edge and rivals that they know from an athletic – Skill set, uh, skill set standpoint, check boxes, size, speed boxes. 
that they can then take and three years later turn into a player. We got to get Matt Goblin on here, Georgia's former uh, director of recruiting. He has he learned from um, uh, Marshall Malchow, who's one of the best in the business, and they pretty much just like the NFL, they have their at each category they have you know each position they have a, a size preference, height preference, speed preference, and they have a golden rule about um, making an exception to those. So you have to make an exception only for an, ex or you only make an exception to the height, weight, size, all that for an exceptional player. So if you see a guy that doesn't quite hit their height and weight numbers, that means there's something special about him. A lad McConkey, for example, you know, you're like, this, this guy's a little, little different, you know, or an undersized defensive lineman. You're like, that defensive lineman, he's like six two, but you know, he gets great, Great uh, leverage, you know, he can bust up an offensive line. So we, we got to call Matt, get him on here and say, hey, give us some of those numbers so we can go through them. And he can tell you the exact same. In other words, Brent, what you're saying is stuff I heard exactly from him. Were you, were you talking to him earlier? Because y'all got sound just alike. Anyway, I saw that question. I thought I got I to gotta, I gotta actually come on and hang out with you guys awesome. for a little bit. I, it makes you wonder about the, the whole NIL thing. I didn't think Kirby Kirby wanted KJ. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Kirby wanted KJ, but he was, okay, I, I'm not okay. But I, I, he would have much rather lost in the Florida State than he would to Auburn. I think he would have fought nails, uh, you know, tooth and nails to 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 beat at Auburn because he don't want to see Auburn back because they, they're playing them. Well, I think that changes next year. But uh, anyways, it, it, you know, that's one of the robberies. I think that's uh, a team that he. He would have fought a little bit harder with in, in the you know on that end of things. Florida, we've seen it over the past couple of years. He don't want to lose that uh, you know prospect to Florida. He don't want them back. He'd rather cut his foot off. So uh, I think he would much rather lose to Missouri, who he knows he can still beat even with Williams Nwaner, and lose a nil uh, bid war to um, Florida State, who he doesn't have to see year in and year out. Much rather than losing him to Auburn. Or so, Alabama. You're saying he's competitive. <laughs> Just a tad, right? Just a tad. Just a little bit. Actually, we had somebody in the comments say, uh, I think John Adams nailed it. He said, when five stars go to three-star teams, which is really mean. <laughs> he said, it doesn't really threaten UGA. We worry when teams close to us get that extra inch or difference maker. Yeah. Uh, well said. Losing uh, uh, a top – Cornerback, uh, excuse me, top safety to Alabama, that hurts. Losing KJ Bolt to the FSU, that's an inconvenience. But, you know, losing some. And the same with uh, anybody that transfers away and goes to one of your competitors. I mean, you got to think that uh, uh, Eli Drinkwitz is going to be losing his mind when all of a sudden it's Dominic Lovett, you know, scoring touchdowns against him. It's like, man, that, that guy played for me last year. And now I'm facing him and he's torching my butt. You know, that's. That, that's when it stings even more. So I think John nailed it. You know, when it's you lose the five star guys to, uh, as you guys are saying, Alabama, Auburn, uh, Florida. That's when you pull your hair out a little bit. I wonder how that conversation is going to go at the end of this year when uh, Nawari calls up. Hey, this guy just played for Missouri and the same coach that I just played for, and he went to Georgia. How did he like it? Yeah. How'd you like it there? Yeah. And <laughs> it's, you know, that, that conversation might happen down the road. Or when it comes close to signing day and Luther Burden hits the portal. 
and so yeah. many variables, constant yeah. variables. It, it is nuts. Or you know, kids, uh, there uh, there's a lot of things that can happen between now and signing day. Uh, especially, and I, I don't think so much with uh, Nwanri, but I, I think a KJ Bold. That's a kid who hadn't his decision wasn't made till the night before, and, and then like reaffirmed the morning of. When you have an announcement like that, and you pick that team, and it was so close in your mind that you hadn't had a decision in, in weeks, that's a kid that you can always try to work back. Uh, while we got uh, the doctor on, we got Brent Rollins, and I got Trent here, who's also has done great film reviews for us. Guys, I want to switch. Uh, uh, topics right now and play a little video and I want to get your um, get y'all's take on it if you'd be so kind um, right now we have highlights from Dylan Rayola we when uh, Jeb was out there this past weekend I know Trent you're gonna go see him he made his Buford debut in a scrimmage and I want you guys to watch he had like six or seven throws three touchdowns and only one incompletion so let's uh, watch him real quick there you guys give me your takes. And number four, by the way, is Jordan Allen. Hey. We have a story on him, too. Looks like McCole Hardman out there. He does. Again, that would be a guy that you would take that doesn't match your uh, size and uh, size and uh, weight ratios there. Go ahead, Trent. All you. I mean, it's just, it, it, those throws specifically are just good. Uh, I mean, they're just quick throws. They're more one-read throws, and he just gets the ball out and puts it on time. And um, accuracy, uh, I, I think he is just accurate with the football. Um, can you can you rewind to that post? Because yep, was that the KJ? That was yeah. KJ. So, like, give a shout out to the offensive line there. He's got all day. He's got all day, and it, that that ball is, I guess, underthrown slightly, but it, it's still. Well, he's got a weak arm, apparently. <laughs> the only so when I watch any sort of high school quarterback, the thing that I want to watch more than anything is the ease with which they operate. Like, is it is it strenuous for them to throw the football? Is it? like the mechanics of it, the smoothness of it, how does it look? Because, you know, decision-making, you know, you're going to see that over time. You're going to see that up in close in person in practice, uh, you know, how much do they communicate offensive line, all that sort of stuff. But, but there are certain things that you just can't necessarily teach. And the ability for him to just wiggle the little, little bit and, you know, kind of turn two in a way, uh, like you're the shortstop, turning two in, in the hole, flicking the ball. Like those are things where it, you can just tell he's a natural thrower of the football. And that to me is what you see as much as anything with him and all the various clips that we've put on the, uh, the channel of him throwing. It's more of just, it's smooth. Yeah. Considering again, he he's not, he did not work with these guys all summer. This wasn't his seven on seven team. He's coming into this uh, kind of, you know, I don't say last second, but or I shouldn't say he didn't work with them in the spring. Um, a lot of guys had that uh, you know, spring ball. And, uh, so he's – it's a new team. He didn't grow up with these guys, doesn't know them. But that, to me, bodes well that you could just drop him in and, I don't know, six or seven and scrimmage, not too shabby. Uh, I mean, they, and they've changed the offense for him. 
I mean, that there's a lot of uh, concepts that they've even brought, um, you know, from, from what, he, what he's learned from going with the Georgia coaching staff. Um, it, a lot of those concepts that they've worked in here. So I, I know they've, they've shifted the offense a good bit around his strengths. I'm looking forward to watching him in person. I'm looking forward to watching Friday night. I was about to say, Trent, aren't you, aren't you going to go St. see him? St. Francis, uh, that's going to be – I can't believe that's not televised, but um seems it's like not. that would be an ESPN game or something. It's not. It's, it's I guess, one of those um, NFH, whatever it's called, we'll, we'll have it on there. But it's not a it's not a nationally televised game. Gotcha. All right. Um, Brent, you want to stick around and answer questions, or are you ducking out? Oh, I can, I can stick around for a few minutes. All right. I don't want to uh, put you on too much of a spot there. Um, let's see here. Uh, from Andy Adams, why does Georgia have no running back depth? Milton's always hurt. Uh, RBU, definitely not the season. Is coming off two natties the excuse? And I know that's more of a team-related question, but this, this is a recruiting class with three uh, running back signees. So I figure, hey, let's pop that one in there. Missing on your key targets the last two classes are one reason. I mean, I think Georgia expected to take two last class with the injuries, and they just didn't find those two guys. Justice Haynes went to Alabama. They uh, were able to get Roderick Robinson. They tested the portal for a while, uh, running back, but they just didn't find a fit. And I think that's a big reason uh, for missing on a couple high targets. But they've obviously landed three key targets in this class. So I think that – that depth will be restored after this year. But uh, injury injuries did play a big part. I think Kendall Milton's career has been around around the injury, and Andrew Paul coming in, having an unfortunate ACL tear in his first – before before his freshman season even started, basically. And so you're you're looking at uh, those two guys, and you, you have three others. But fortunately enough, they brought in guys that, like we talked about on preferred walk-ons, that are capable of playing D1 football, cash, cash and – um, who they just bring in from Tennessee. Um, Lanith Whitehead. Yeah, and I haven't heard much about him, but you, you got guys on your on your roster who can um, fill the void of injuries, and and you obviously going to miss a beat from the top guys, but it's you, you, you got depth. Um, but it's, it's not like uh, what was the year when Georgia had um, Brendan Douglas? Yeah, those guys playing running back. That, that, that was depth issues. That was – that was serious depth issues. Yeah, well, it just sometimes if you put a running back in the game, you give him the ball, what's going to happen to him? He's going to get hit. You can be a wide receiver, play 30 snaps, not get hit. You know, it's it's possible. But those guys are in a very, very nasty position, and they're being hit by the likes of Smile Mondan and Javon Buller type guys. So they can, they can light you up. I'm just getting just, closer to my prediction of Roger Robinson leading Georgia in touchdowns this year. <laughs> It's just it's coming closer. Uh, I predicted that uh, when when he signed back in February. So we're getting closer to that. Yeah. Trent, did Trent, did you see my prediction in the offensive predictions that I made last week? What, it was cash. I, I said cash would have five hundred at least five hundred yards rushing and receiving. Because for yeah. by the way, for two consecutive years, the last two years, Georgia's had three backs with at least five hundred total yards rushing and receiving. So you know, it's not like. And this question for me, it's one where I worry about it about that percent. 
like Johnny Manziel putting up the zero because one, you're going to have one of the top two, if not the best offensive line in college football, as long as it's healthy yards before contact. I think that's, that's one thing you get there. And then two, you have time with the schedule to not push any of these guys with any, with any sort of issue. And if you get the end of the season version of Kendall Milton at the end of this, this season, then, you know, go for it. That's, that's, that's a win. You know, if, if he doesn't, it takes him, you know, six weeks into the season to really get to where he needs to be fine. But the other part is I, I don't worry about it as much because of how great they are on the outside. Like love it. Lad Bowers, Rosemary Jackson, like the Arian Smith, Potentially, you know, the depth of just great that could potentially great players there makes the this issue not as much of an issue to me. Yeah, running game fails, just give it to one nine. He's their best running back, too. <laughs> oh, uh, bring uh, uh, Bell back there and let him run it. He can do it too. I asked Kirby that last offseason when uh, somebody got hurt. I forget, somebody got hurt in camp, and I, I saw him at the baseball field and I said, the bell kid, I've heard a little bit about him, you know, size. And he's like, no, he's too good at wide receiver. We're going to keep him, have to keep him there. So. Yeah, you can do it. All right, next question is from the dog father. Hey, be sure to follow the dog father on TikTok for those of you that, uh, uh, and also uh, we mentioned a damn beast media earlier, but the dog father is an absolute riot. If you're a Georgia fan, follow him on TikTok and follow us as well. Also, uh, if you look on TikTok, we're giving away a uh, signed Kirby Smart autographed football. This is one of the ones from our friends at Nico Sports. It's pretty cool. Kirby Smart signed it. It actually comes with a certificate of authenticity, which I have floating around here. So I'm giving this one away. We got two of them. We'll give away this one this week. And then uh, I'm going to try to do some stuff on there too this year, too. Yeah. So uh, we'll uh, get Once that figured out. Yeah. Uh, but this question from the dog father says uh, Is Schumann using these same selling points for linebackers as the running backs here? Don't get worn down over three years, get developed, and then go get paid. I mean, I think what Schumann's using is he's going back to that year where he had three that get drafted in the same year. I mean, that's all you have to prove. Oh, my answer. <laughs> I, I put your ass in the NFL. I don't care about the word here. You, you look I mean, what he's done since that time where he put three in the NFL and he's brought in six elite linebackers. It, it, it's, it, by the I way, mean, I think every single one has played, has been in the league that's played for him since he's been here. Oh, shit. Every inside linebacker he signed. I mean, that play. Because yeah. Natrez Patrick was in the league for a minute, like was on a roster for a, for a little bit. Hey, he played two years at outside linebacker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Crowder, Monty Rice, Nicobe, and then you know, Quay, Tindall. Quay, Tindall, Pop and Munden are going to be there too. Like, wow. I'm pretty sure it's pretty much everybody. No wonder he was able to sign three last year. He's got the, about to get three more this year. Absolutely. I love it. All right. Uh, John Hicks, and here's a tough one for you. says, uh, who's the most talented four-star or three-star out of the current commitments? Nitro Togel. Sorry? Nitro Togel. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was going to be tough for you. All right. So Nitro Togel, the wide receiver. I love it. All right. You can give me a three-star. I mean the the Fraser kid from from California. Oh, he, he's a stud. I, I think all three backs in this class have potential just to 
I mean, Georgia's kind of like even Kenny McIntosh. They lack the ability to take the lid off of it, and um, you know, with, with that top end speed, I think all three of these running backs have that ability. Love it. All right, Andy Stowe says, who's going to make the big, a bigger impact of the returning players, uh, Cedric Van Pran or Jordan Davis? Mm-hmm. I'm like, who's that? Oh, I guess in terms of a senior coming back, like when Jordan came wow. back his senior year versus when okay, SVP yeah. coming wow. back this year. I would say Cedric Van Pran just from the sense that he's going to play every play. Three times as, He plays three times as many snaps. Yeah. He's going to play 800 snaps. That's a good, good point. Uh, is Monroe Freeling going to start on the offensive line this year, dude? Don't don't shake your head. No, but he's going to start Freeling's next year. He's a monster. He's going to start at right tackle next year. I don't know. There's, there's that. Yeah, I think if uh, you've got Austin Blasky who got sick, but he's been uh, he got it out tough as nails. Austin Blasky's fighting with Ernest Green over there. If I think if were Ernest Green, Ernest Green going to start? If he or Marius Mims were to get hurt, I think they bring in uh, uh, Austin Blasky. Yeah. But I think right after him is going to be that uh, Monroe Freeling guy. That that kid is he, he's something else. So keep an eye on him. I uh, I think that's all the questions we had in there. I don't see any others. All right. Anything else we need to know on the recruiting front there, Trent? Uh, talking about a three-star, um, I'd, I'd go to Nam, Nam Diaboko or whatever his name is, the big nose tackle. Georgia's always – Georgia always takes them under, uh, I guess, those uh, lower-ranked guys, and they develop them into studs. And I would look at him being kind of that next Jordan guy. Davis was under-ranked. I, Jordan Davis was a three-star up until the fall of his senior season. So, yeah. like, now he's just eating people. Right, Brent, when Georgia's running that, um, what do they call it, the mint defensive front? Okay. You got your zero and two fives, right? Yep, this year? Yeah. Who are they? Hmm. Who like, I think you're Georgia talking about what they're doing against Tennessee. Like, they do a lot of that against Tennessee. Right. And they walk the edge out and just, like, if there's – the twin set into the boundary into the short side of the field to walk the edge out, get some press coverage on that. They did it a lot uh, with, uh, with Robert Beal. But I think those three are, are at least one is Stackhouse, one is Michael. The third, I think, is kind of coin flippy. Warren Brinson? It, it, it's it's yeah. him or Waltower. Yeah. Because and I, from a playmaking standpoint, to me, Warren Brinson is twice the playmaker as the other. But – it's, it's, the, it's more the, depth the, the than how they go. Warren and Michael. I'm just. I think, like I said, I think Michael Williams is going to get Trayvon Walker level snaps. Like he's going to be on the field. Like I, I was shocked looking at those numbers. In 21, Trayvon had, it was like 381 pass rush snaps. No other player in, Cur- in the history of Kirby being at Georgia has had over 300. Like Devontae Wyatt was close in like the two nine, around 290. I think Michael is going to be constantly on the field on the edge on first and second down kicking inside some or a lot on the uh, third down. Awesome. All right. I, just, I figured I had to give you one question. I want to about the current team while we had you on. I want to, I want to pepper you with that one. Just, awesome. We had, we're, we're on the same mindset and don't get me wrong. I love Tremel Walther. I just, I'm he's there. He's a guy. Is Justin Young still there? <laughs> I feel like he was there forever. Him yeah. and him and uh, Rochester. 
Rochester oh, is probably still there. Julie was there. <laughs> or uh, Ledbetter felt like he was there forever. That's my boy. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this edition of Rumors versus Facts. Be sure to tune in tomorrow at noon. We will have our uh, show with Coach Donna. It's called UJ Sports Live. We'll be, I'll be talking about stuff that happened in scrimmage. He'll be yelling at me for saying, why are you putting that out there? It should be a fun-filled show of me getting yelled at by Coach Donna and, you know, for sharing stuff that uh, happened uh, in the scrimmage. But it's always great to get his take because I'll say something and he'll uh, immediately shoot it down. But he will then fill in with what the correct answer is and what we should be concerned about. And uh, I'll post him the same question about George's mint front, if you will, there, Brent, just to see what he has to say. Hi, right, folks. Take care. We will see you next week.